David Cronenberg stuck to his guns um, even when it kind of cost him. He was offered flash dance. It was like, <laughs> I, I can't do anything with and I, I'm not. Can you imagine if Cronenberg did flash dance? Though? <laughs> oh, what a be, feeling! Come on, oh. that would be. Like, she would dump the water, and the droplets would like sink into her epidermis, and like oh, yeah. that would be amazing. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the The final Final Girl. You can start recording now just because All right. <laughs> that's hilarious. I just know that when they announced they weren't making any more, people, friends of mine that depend on it, especially Bobcat, were hoarding it. I couldn't even hoard it because they stopped it in March. Like it just oh, like went off the shelf in March. No. And then I couldn't find it since then. I've been looking at oh. every store and they're like, no, it's not. And then so, no, I have none. I didn't know my last tab was my last tab. That's the saddest <laughs> thing. I wanted to savor it and I didn't. Yeah, I know. They got to they gotta give you guys time to, to wean yourself off it. Haven't they yes. seen train spotting? they don't understand what it is with tab though it's it's very serious so i want to welcome we've already talked started talking a little bit but i want to welcome freaking Patton oswald to our podcast this is horror movie survival guide and i'm flustered already so julia can you do a better intro than that yeah wow i've never heard you so flustered terry this is adorable i'm a really big fan who who is it a a comedy nerd and like i just am dying dying uh, you. you, of course, you know him and love him from from fucking everything. I mean, it's Patton Pascal Oswald. So, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We wanted you to have on you on. See, I'm plus you we too. Wanted to have on you <laughs> I wanted to have on you for a while, and then like, but like, I think your wife is really cool, so I respect that space. Mm. Um, and like you and and just everything. AP Bio is like one of my favorite shows. Like, I don't know, I could go on. But we're not. I want to find out more about you from you, not me blabbering <laughs> about you. Um, uh, uh, Julia, what, where do we start? How about hello? Start? Hello. Hello, Patton. <laughs> By the way, have on you sounds like 70s funk slang. Like that should be a song by Parliament. Like, girl, I want to have on you. You know, like, <laughs> yes. come on. That would totally, I could see Bootsy doing oh, that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it, it's like, get down on it. You're like, well, mm-hmm. what does it really mean? Get down on it. Gotta get up to get down. Still yeah. want to, yes, yes. Oh. So I guess we are a horror podcast. So let's start with your horror beginnings. Um, what is the first horror film you can remember watching? Uh, my first horror film, I very specifically remember watching. Um, and this was, again, this was the 70s. Uh, a lot of a lot of well-meaning bad parenting. All right. Um, my parents took me, I was four or five. My parents took me to a uh, Halloween activity day at the local library in Tustin Meadows, California. I was a little four year old. And we made cookies and we did cutouts and they told us ghost stories. And then one of the parents, again, totally well meaning, had an eight millimeter print. You remember, you could order 
eight millimeter movies and show them in your home. That was before right. VCRs. That's you do. You get well, them like in the back of like catalogs and comic yes. books and stuff like that, right? Yes, yeah. famous monsters. That's where you would order them. Um, they uh, showed F.W. Murnau's Nosferatu, 1922, silent. What? Nosferatu. Thinking, mm. by the way, thinking, well, it's an old silent film. That's when everything was fine for everybody. These are all G-rated. That film, everyone was, all the kids were screaming and freaking out because it has, and, and I, I specifically watched it again earlier this year because I was thinking about that memory going, I bet it's because I was five years old. And that's, that movie by, even by today's standards is, is not, it's not that it has creepy parts to it. It's nonstop disturbing. It's all it is, is disturbing imagery. And that's all it is. It's amazing. Oh, and and wow. as a and as a kid, what sticks with you? But the imagery, right? Yeah. The, yeah, you don't. I don't need a plot or imagery. So that really, very much. That was my first. I mean, that was the first movie experience that I remember. But I remember also the fact that this little square of light pulled everyone into the room into it, even though we were all terrified. I was like, I got to get on the other side of that square. Like, I've got to do that. So wow. that was a big memory. So- Wow. wow. So it, it, it showed you horror and made you want to be on screen at the same time. That's amazing. Exactly. I had to do the it. ultimate yeah. gateway. I love it that. Was the ultimate gateway. But I I do not show your little kids Nosferatu. Do not show them that movie. It's so goddamn terrifying. Oh, would not recommend it. Oh my God. That's crazy. So then when did it become like a thing where you were scared of it, but then it started to get interesting horror? (sighs) Oh, that's a good question. I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be affected by movies that I saw. I didn't want them just to be like, well, background audio and visual wallpaper. I want to be pulled into stuff. So, um, uh, I, I think that it re- first it was it was watching on Saturday afternoons the old Universal horror films. They would just show them randomly on TV, and I loved all the makeup effects. So that was you know that pulled me in. And then, do you have a favorite I, Universal monster? I'm sorry, can I ask? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Interesting. Just, he doesn't get a lot of play. No, nah. he doesn't. And that movie again has so much. That movie's weird because I know that at the time kids saw it and were scared for the '50s. But if you watch it now, it's kind of beautiful and it's really sad. You feel so bad for the creature and you're totally rooting for him. All the humans in the movie are dicks. And <laughs> you're you're hoping that he, maybe she decides to go with him and live in his weird uh, uh, lagoon cave where, like he takes her to this cave where you stay up here where you can breathe and I will be in the water and can't we work like it, again, it's nothing's in the script, but you feel like he's going, maybe we could meet halfway. here. It, it's just, I don't know. It's really amazing. Yeah. I love compromise. It's kind of, be- I mean, that, that movie is what made Guillermo del Toro do shape of water because he was like, why don't they have a romance? Why don't they just fall in love? I can't believe that that movie works. Uh, the shape of water, like it does. There's like, <laughs> there's a dance number. And I was like, wait, what, what is happening? This is amazing. <laughs> Every movie is better with a dance number, in my opinion, though. So, hundred percent, absolutely, yes, yeah. So, and also, I I grew up during that time in the seventies where it was it was a golden age. Not not that I had access to all the amazing horror movies that were out, but that was a time when TV ads for horror movies they were not afraid to just be really 
creepy and disturbed, just flat out. And they would show you ads on TV for, I remember seeing ads for The Exorcist and Jaws and Mm -hmm. Mutations and It's Alive and stuff like that. And and all these ads were genuinely scary as hell. And it it would really like mess you up. Yeah, as a kid, again, it's just like that. Like I remember being terrified by Thriller. It's just like these little things. That's just like the oh, imagery yeah. of it is what, like, as a kid, you can't process it properly. Yes. Um, yeah. So, did you? Are you? Do you consider yourself a gorehound? Oh yeah, I was such because I loved the idea of because again, I was a I was a frustrated seventies eighties teenage suburban kid, and of course, I loved the idea of I'm getting away with something by watching this. So. Um, I had the book Splatter Movies. I had Tom Savini's book. I had a subscription to Fangoria. Nice. Um, I would. There was a there was a very brief window for a couple of years where you could sell a movie by the makeup artist doing the gore effects. It was. I think it was like a summer. They're like with from Tom Savini, like not the director, not the stars. Just oh, oh yeah. the guy that did. I remember they advertised a movie called The Prowler just purely on the fact that Tom Savini was doing the makeup effects. And and they weren't even that there weren't even that many makeup effects in the movie, but he had become such a name because of Fangoria that they were like, and Tom Savini, so you know what's coming. Like it was that kind of feeling. Yeah. And every 15-year-old boy came a running. Oh god. Running in hand. And and we all had like I made little Super 8 movies and they were all slasher movies because that's all I knew. So you would get a bunch of wadded up, get toilet paper, soak it in Caro syrup and food coloring make the, you know, ripped up flesh. And, uh, it was just the best. Would you make oh. a slasher movie now in the in the grown up way? Has that like desire continued? Maybe, but there's got to be like, again, I would make a slasher movie, but I would try to do something with it the way they did with um, like Cabin in the Woods or Tucker and Dale versus Evil. What is mm-hmm. a, a different take on this, which I think would be, you mm-hmm. know, or the legend of, uh, what was it, Leslie Verdon? Vernon, was that one? Um, I haven't seen that one. Oh, um, you yeah. your 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 encyclopedic knowledge like far outweighs mine. <laughs> That's insane to me because you have an insane encyclopedic knowledge, Julia, as well. This is crazy. I know. I, great. You, this is great. Yeah, you you know areas and, and angles that I do not know, Julia. So do not sell yourself short. But you always uh, recommend incredibly cool movies uh, when you're on your social media and try to bring out. Um, I know that you were a big champion of The Deeper You Dig, which is a, yes. a movie that we covered recently, um, which was so amazing. And, and and you were one of the people that recommended it. And I was like, well, yeah. if he likes it, then it's got to be great. And it was. Yeah, I was stunned at how like there there, there seems to be because we are we are living in such a hair trigger society right now. In a weird way, it's come back around to the early 70s where there are certain issues you can't, if you talk about them out in the open, everyone loses their shit. But if you hide them in genre films, in horror or science fiction, you can get away with a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we've been seeing uh, in terms of um, movies like Hereditary and Midsommar and It Follows and, you know, all these um, uh, incredible movies that are dealing with Me Too and and trans rights and race. Um, I'm about to watch, um, what's it called? His House. There's a new movie on Netflix. I think it's called His House that is about the modern, again, it's a horror movie, but it's also clearly about um, modern xenophobia and racism and uh, the immigration and stuff like that. And it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be brilliant. So, you know, that is 
we've, we've, we're such a raw nerve that people are hiding what they need to say in escapism. I mean, I think that the, the gold standard of that was, of course, get out. Um, right. But that's been going on for quite a long time, I think. Yeah, I think all the like Romero stuff we've covered has all kind oh. of fallen in that vein too, big time. So. It was weird. I just, I texted Julia about, I think a month ago, because I finally watched The Crazies. Yeah. And like... <laughs> but it was that the crazies feels to me like that was when he was getting into the I'm George Romero and I've got to have the bleakest. Like, that's what people come to see. And that one, I'm sorry. I love George Romero. I just feel like he goes way too far with that ending where it's just it's bleak on. Ble- it's like you got to pick one bleak hammer to the head. You can't have like four in a row. You know what I mean? Because you got to pick one. It felt so apropos though. I mean, after like watching it in 2020, well, I don't know. I, it just felt like now, I was like, it's, it's bleak, but it's like, it felt very true. So yeah. And I, and I like yeah. the, the scary, like you have these scary levels and like the scariest thing for, and I feel like in the movie is like how much the military just doesn't have it together. Oh, just like, at all. And they're not even pretending to have it together. And you're like, oh no, is this and, really what it's like? And not only does the military not have it together, and, and this it's very subtle in this, but so many of the um, masked military people, if you listen to the voice work and the, um, the, the dubbing, it's so clearly that they are out of their depths, 18 and 19 year olds, a lot of D plus, C minus ex jocks that didn't quite make it anywhere else. They're like, and now they're in the military. Now, like, holy shit, we just get to shoot people. Like, you see them, and and again, that it, it's very, very creepy watching like what went down in in Portland and in Seattle and and even L.A. where it feels like the feels like the the president is saying, you know, that annoying niece or nephew that always embarrasses you every Thanksgiving and calls you out on your bullshit. I'll beat the fuck out of them in the street for you. I'll just beat the shit out of them. And if you get behind me, like it felt like there was that weird, um, I'll, I'll give you vengeance for always being owned and made to look stupid. And, and, and there was, that was, that was part of the crazies in a big way. Yeah. And I like that he kind of takes on a different element of society in each of his films. You have like the capitalism and Dawn of the Dead. You have the amusement yeah. park, which we've watched, which is the like the creme de la creme of awareness of so senior citizen issues, which doesn't get any talk about at all. Which, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Someone is going to make the great boomers aging out horror movie because that I think is the motivation for a lot of the violence that we're seeing in society right now. Is it's the boomer generation, the one, the generation before them, whether they're called the silent generation or the greatest generation, part of their ethos was, it was that John Wayne and the searchers, you do your part, you live your life. And then when it's time for you to age the fuck out, you walk away into the desert with some dignity and into the sunset, yeah. <clears throat> into the sunset. And the boomer generation is no, I'm always young and I'm always cool forever. And if I don't get to be that, I'll take everyone down with me. And that's what it feels like is happening right now. We're not getting a lot of, and, and by the way, there are sections of the boomer generation that are very nicely walking away with some dignity and coolness, but there's such a huge chunk. It's like, we were supposed to be the young, you know, it's like George Carlin said, nothing more uh, alarming than a gray haired ponytail. Like, oh. oh, dude, no, no, no. 
dude. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> act your goddamn age. We don't. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so yeah. So what would you say is the scariest movie you've ever seen? The scariest movie, this is just my experience. I think there are scarier movies than this, but this is the scariest experience I've ever had in a movie. Um, when I was exactly 10 years old, this again, um, uh, benign 70s parental neglect. My, uh, <laughs> oh, great. my friend, Bruce Beardsley and I, his dad, took us to the Tyson's Corner 8 Theater uh, in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, to go see Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. And we oh. go there, and Lord of the Rings is sold out. Sold out. And the father, not being mean, not no no um, malice, was like, oh, what else can I? Because like, he, I think he wanted to go shopping or something. Like he was going to drop us off and go do stuff and pick us up. What's playing? Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, I saw that when I was, they remade it. Yeah, okay. I saw that when I was a kid. It's just pods, whatever. Cool. And but got us tickets. Off we go. I'll see you, in, see you in an hour and a half. I'll come back. And I don't know if you've seen the Philip Kaufman Invasion yes. of the Body Snatchers. Yes. I had never seen movies like Night of the Living Dead at that point. I had not seen the nihilistic ending ever in a movie. I had not been to a movie where everyone fucking loses and the world <laughs> is taken over. And that movie fucked me up so badly. I had nightmares for weeks. I was screaming. Um, wow. I was really freaked out. And and I think especially that age when you're 10 is the age when it's the first time when you see that adults in your life can be fallible. And, mm -hmm. and there's sometimes when you're trying to tell them something and they're just not listening to you, even though you're trying to give them vital information. And that whole movie is Donald Sutherland and, and, and Brooke Adams, like trying to explain things and people are like, what? I don't, you know, and then what's even worse is those people are like, what are you talking about? Nothing's wrong. Why don't you just calm down? And you know, right. the scene where he calls the police and they, they, they answer him by name. And he's like, I didn't tell you my name. How do you know my name? Like hang the phone up. Like, it's just like, there's nowhere to run to. And as a yeah. little kid, Oh, that fucked me up so badly. Plus you have a, a good amount of goo and gore and just like your body being taken over. Like is anyone, you know, really who you who you think they are question oh everything no safety oh my god wait a minute oh. that's right i'm 10 years old where i'm just on the brink of puberty so everything's about to start changing anyway so even my own body thank god my none of my parents dropped us off to any um uh david cronenberg films the one to see was of course scanners just for the one scene like, oh the guy's head blows up but if you actually watch the whole movie scanners a it's not that scary B, it's pretty brilliant, and C, it's kind of an X-Men movie before the X-Men movies were ever made. Huh. If you watch it again, yeah. it's a movie about people with superpowers, and the government is trying to form them and, and utilize them, and they're trying to break free and do their own thing. Well, I mean, if, if David Cronenberg's version of the X-Men is preferable to any version I can think of. Oh. I mean, that's Julia, just... you're never going to watch a superhero movie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, you know, I could be persuaded because I was one over. I uh, hadn't for a very long time was not a Cronenberg fan and infamously so and got a lot of shit for it. And yeah. I really tried and I was just not into it. And then I saw the dead zone and I was like, oh, I like him now. <laughs> and Christopher Walken, the same thing. I was like, oh, I like Christopher Walken now. All right. Yeah. So it like turned me around on some good people. And so now I'm like, OK, Cronenberg, give him more shots. Yeah, I've exactly. Got to that point. Especially especially the brood and um, mm -hmm. 
Shivers are just brilliant, like genuinely brilliant ahead of their times films. Yeah, he has a vision really unlike anybody else's. I don't think, I can't think of another person like him that isn't trying to emulate him. Mm-hmm. No, because, yeah, and, and it's also like David Cronenberg stuck to his guns um, even when it kind of cost him. He was offered flash dance. It was like, <laughs> I, I can't do anything with and I, I'm not Can kidding. Can you imagine if Cronenberg did flash dance? That oh, would what a be, feeling. Come on. Oh. That would be, like, she would dump the water and the droplets would like sink into her epidermis and like, start oh, yeah. to, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Or her skin would like fall off at that moment. Like <clears throat> yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> that needs to be a sketch. So my oh, needs to write yeah, that into a sketch. It's amazing. I just love that. The Brood and Kramer versus Kramer came out in the same year, and they're basically, it's a very similar plot. It's about divorce, but it's, this is the nice Dustin Hoffman, Meryl Streep version, and then here's David Cronenberg's take on divorce, which apparently he had just gone through an insanely ugly divorce. So the movie The Brood is about his divorce. Oh, my God. That's how he saw his divorce. I can't imagine being his ex-wife and watching that movie. No, yeah, exactly. Oh, so I become a weird... Stomach vagina monster? <laughs> that sounds accurate. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Oh, man. God, imagine her submitting that film in court as evidence. Like, if I may, um, <laughs> can we dim the lights? I'd like to, uh, I'd like us all to watch this really quick. Oh. <laughs> so we asked your, your favorite, scare, the scariest film, but what about your favorite? Because they're often not the same film. Yeah. Um, oh, Wow. What's my favorite scary film? I'm not going to do it in the scream voice. <clears throat> um, Patton. God, I can't do it. I don't um, even have it. No scream voice. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say my favorite scary movie, <clears throat> just in terms of like, because it genuinely has scary shit, but it's also so much goddamn fun, is uh, Return of the Living Dead. And, oh, and yeah. I, I also think because I saw that in the right conditions, it was a at the Town Center 3 in Northern Virginia, Friday night, bunch of teenagers, people were yelling at the screen, but actually adding to what was good. Like it wasn't hurting it. It was that yes. we were so into the movie that we were like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's just like, <laughs> and also the fact that, and this is a really weird thing, but the movie, it shows that it's weirdly hopeful because during a zombie invasion, the two people that come together and are the most competent are the black punk rocker and the ex-Nazi mortician are the two that actually keep their wits about them. And like, <laughs> maybe we need to get beyond all this ideology and just fight the fucking living dead. Like it, it made me kind of go, maybe we need a zombie invasion. Wouldn't that like actually, you know what I mean? Unite <clears throat> everybody together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love zombie punks. They just go together. Oh God, yeah. It was hel- and, and just like such great... Um, every performance just fucking worked in that movie. It just was so brilliant. Um, uh, James Karen and Clue uh, Gulliger and and, and oh, yes, just we love, all we about love the her. bottom line. How do I? How does? How do I not? You lose my business over this shit. <laughs> oh, so great. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's my favorite. And I take it you guys have already discussed your scariest movie and your favorite scary movie. So what are the difference for you guys? Like what was the movie that scared you the most? And then, Oh, but this is my favorite. Uh, my favorite is a nightmare on Elm street. 
uh-huh. um, because it has the best final girl. It's really, really smart. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Tina's death is still my favorite death of any any horror movie ever. It's so good. Um, yeah. That room spin is amazing. Yeah. So that's my favorite. Scariest uh, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think is a gorgeous film. I've seen it several times. It's beautifully shot. It is terrifying without showing you barely anything. And I've never left a theater feeling so like I've been holding myself so tense the yeah. entire time because it's relentless. There's no comedy relief. There's no like goofy cops like Last House on the Left. It's just like fucking screaming <laughs> for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah, no, uh, for me, my favorite scary movie is Hellraiser just because it's awesome. And no, I just tell, no, wait, tell, them, tell them why specifically you like Hellraiser. Why? Because I think Pinhead's hot? What? what? <laughs> 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 I don't know. Well, Julia showed it to me and I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this scary movie because I, w- I did not grow up watching a bunch of scary movies. I saw a few scary things as a kid, like right. too early with because at the babysitter with not, you yeah. know, just let, the kids can watch Poltergeist. That's fine. We're five. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. You know, like they'll watch Friday the 13th. It's fine. They're five. Like all these movies I watched way too early. And so I just was like, I can't do that. I was too scared. And Julia showed me Hellraiser. And I like laughed at like the Jesus wept moment. I don't know. I just I, I just found it comedy yeah. and beautiful and like hilarious and so like the earnestness of it. I love. I love. I don't know. I just I loved everything about it. So I that's was my- afraid I was gonna like break her with the gore. It was like her first horror movie, and then she laughed at the gore, and I was like, I've never met anybody who laughed at it. Well, that movie almost hits Monty Python levels of gore, where you're like, oh, you're more marveling at wow, some makeup artist had like. That act, you start thinking more about that actor must have had to sit there and they work like that. Like that's like an four amazing- hours later had to come yeah. out like that and be yeah. like, this is my neck now. Like, this is how I'm, <laughs> like, I imagine them at craft services, you know, like, okay. Um, like, can I get some red vines? Like, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of my favorites. Um, thank you, Julia, for that. Um, scariest I have to think about. I'm trying to think what, what really broke me. There's a couple things I was just really glad that I think we watched together, Jules. Um, uh, Frozen. You know, I remember we were we were having Frozen. You were glad. You had to pause session nine a couple of times. Oh. Session nine, I definitely called you and paused because I was like, I don't know if I can watch the rest of this because it's already so so creepy. You know, what really was really scary too. The quiet ones was really scary too. Ah, that, that one doesn't get, doesn't get a lot of play, but I really like that movie. But I'm yeah. Sam, Sam Claflin would 100. percent Wow. Um, Do you like the so new I, Hammer stuff? Have you seen the? the new ones uh woman in black and quiet ones no because uh, woman in black was the daniel radcliffe one that was like the fur like the new like hammers back kind of thing oh no shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a few years ago and same and then the quiet ones was and they're both period which is great so they really feel like hammer movies yeah wow i went to a two-day hammer festival in the very early days of the cinematech when they didn't have Ooh. the egyptian it was just this pirate operation all over the city so one day was in the DGA theater, started at 8 a.m. and then at midnight. Next day, started at 10 a.m. in the Chaplin Theater at Raleigh Studios and ended at midnight. And so you would just watch. And what was great about when you watch a whole lot of Hannah films at once, they had to kind of reuse houses and sets. Like Frankenstein's Lab was also Dracula because they had no money, but they yeah. really, like, you really learn how to make the most out of what little you have and make it look great. And it was really inspiring to watch that. I feel like they would all blend. I feel like it would just be like the same, like beautiful, misty, pretty girl craziness yeah. kind of. Like over a day th- of Hallmark movies, Jules. Because <laughs> <laughs> they reuse the sets, it's the same thing. Oh my god, they're that's like, right. Yeah, out, and you're just like, yeah, I, I break it that out. Album. Yeah, that actor, that's great. Wow. 
Um, well, so you cool. you picked a, a movie for us to talk about today. Yes. Um, we're very excited to talk about uh, 2016's A Dark Song, written and directed by Liam Gavin. So I had not heard of this film. Um, so will you tell us how you found this film? Um, I do. I, oh, my God. I was do, it was one of those um, reading film articles on Twitter, and it was either on BuzzFeed or Vulture or something, but they um, it was the 10 best horror movies on, I think, Netflix or streaming that you're not watching right now, that they're just hiding in plain sight, and that was one of them. And it was so intriguing that it was it's essentially a two-person film, except for a couple quick little exceptions. And, um, and, and to know that they pulled it off that way, and the description of it was so... Interesting. I, I like films that show the processes of something. Like I like one of my favorite sequences in a film is the beginning of To Live and Die in L.A. when Willem Dafoe is counterfeiting the money. And yeah. you almost come away going, do I? I think I know how to counterfeit money now. Like <laughs> they, they really take you through the process. I, I especially love when cooking is shown in movies really well, like in Babette's Feast or Tampopo. Mm -hmm. Like show me how oh. shit is done. I love yes. that. So this is a very... Not that it's not, not that it's boring, but they really show you the, all right, do you want to summon a demon? Here's what it takes. And it has this very work. Th there's a very subtle um, uh, class war thing kind of hidden. Well, not that subtle, actually, but um, it also, one of my favorite comic book characters is John Constantine. And this movie, who's like the, the kind of um, uh, chav working class wizard and this is an even more realistic vision of what John Constantine would be like in real life, who's just an alcoholic. And he's really, as he says, I live really rough and I've very much damaged my body. So I have to, I got to clean out for the next couple of days. So I'm going to have the DT. So I'm going to get through this. Like, and he's just the guy, he's not going through the ritual. He just is the one setting the ritual up. So um, it, it, basically it's about a guy who, a woman that wants to contact uh, a demon and ask for something and has um, contacted a uh, a wizard slash sorcerer slash summoner, who you know clearly it's like a, a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy that you know. And and here here we go. We're going to be with these two while they try to summon a demon, and it's it's just fascinating. It's amazing because it's uh, so we really only as you said only two characters. Um, you have Catherine Walker, Sophia, and Steve Orem as Joseph Solomon. They're both incredible in the film, um, and it's just this very realistic take because I think every horror movie, especially you have ones where you're like satanic cults or summoning the devil, it's all very a lot of times very sexualized or a lot of times very like it looks cool. This is like no no not cool not fun really fucking sucks. But you have yeah. to be able to go through it. And it reminded me for, of two things. Um, one, a little bit of uh, Holy Mountain by Jodorowsky, right? Yes. Which you're like purifying yourself and getting ready to go to this next stage of your enlightenment. And then also a lot of like a Kung Fu movie where you find the master and the master's a total asshole to you the whole time. Yeah. Oh, like Kill Bill beginnings. Holy yeah. shit. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it also is about, the, especially because I just watched The Vow and all these things about abusive cults. So we mm -hmm. are so another big hurdle to going through a process like that to is, and, and she, she encounters it, which is the, I think this is bullshit. I think you're conning me. And I don't think this is going anywhere. And, you know, and, and then there's the terror of then when it does start working, are you sure you want to see this all the way to the end? Because when it does start working, it gets scary and fucked up. And yeah. then she's, and then, 
you got to, oh, do I pull out of this now? But he's like, if you pull out now, then it's going to be even worse. Because when he says, I have to go and untether this house from the world outside, like we are really going, there's no way to get out of this. Right. And it's not only like you're living in a house by yourself for that time, you're living in someone who just kind of awful like he's just going to be mean to you the whole time so it's not even that you'll get relief when you're outside of this ceremony it's like when you get out of it then it's even worse and he's just going to be a fucking dick to you i was like wow i really hate him but i also feel like he's what he does get a point where he really does want to help her right there is the point that he's doing it for money and then there's the point like okay now i really do actually want to help you yeah and there's also that that sense of she thinks at first, okay, this guy's full of shit, this guy's full of shit. Then when he shows her all the circles that she has to go through and really maps it out, you realize, oh, he does know what he's talking about. And the reason that he's, in a weird way, it's beneficial to her that he's being so abusive because he's getting it through to her. If, if, you, if you quit now, I'm actually saving you a lot of hassle down the line because this is going to be so goddamn unpleasant. And if you can't take me yelling at you now, then you should fucking leave because this will be, you know, and also that really, there's that really scary, not even scary moment, but it's nerve wracking when he goes, I've done this three times. Um, it, what is it? It worked twice and it didn't work once. Yeah. Or something like that. So she's like, Oh, mm-hmm. you could be one of the ones that doesn't work. Right. And Oh man. And also the fact that there's no difference for him between summoning a demon or summoning an angel in terms of terror and risk. They're both equally scary. And that he says he's like seen both and he can just, I mean, like, of course, if you've seen both, you would be an alcoholic. Like, of course. And crazy. Like, yeah. you can't come out unscathed. Like, he's proof of that completely. Yeah. And then yeah. he's also, once you know, that's it, someone always pointed this out to me. It, it doesn't like take away from my pleasure in the movies because the movies are big and dumb and fun. But by the third Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones should be a raving fucking lunatic. He should have renounced <laughs> all his possessions and been like, make it on Fifth Avenue. Like, There's they, God is real. I actually saw the Ark of the Covenant. You must repent or you'll go to hell. Like I actually saw fucking demons. Like, but in every movie, he's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Some of this, mum- no, no, no. You, he, he can be that in the first movie, but by the third one, he's got to go like, no, no, yeah, this shit's really real. And I actually, um, I'm renouncing alcohol. I'm, I'm not going to do any extramarital sex. I'm just going to, I want to not go to hell when I die. Like he, he would like <laughs> not use weapons. No, no, I'm not going to kill anyone. Go ahead and kill me. Cause I don't want to go to like, he would be he's out of his goddamn skull. So, um, God, yeah, he's seen people's faces melt yes, off their exactly. fucking and like, All the shit in the Bible is real. Cause I fucking saw it happen. So in a weird way, the guy, um, in the movie, the summoner is like the way Indiana Jones would be. He's just this yeah. kind of unhealthy just, you know, eating snack food and booze nonstop because he otherwise he can't function. And then, he, you know, he's relying on these these people's money to survive, but he absolutely hates these people, which you can yes. tell immediately. Like, he hates everybody and immediately and the, and the re, initially rejects her. It's like, nope. Yeah. I can do it. It's like, yeah, posh lady. Like, no, no, I don't need your money. Don't need this yeah. life. And, yeah. and also he's... Don't need the trouble. Mm-hmm. It, it also, they don't come out... I mean, they, they kind of say it later, but it feels like... He knows very early on that she's bullshitting him and not exactly telling him the truth. And if they go forward based on a lie, it's way too risky. But the thing Mm -hmm. that keeps him in is that thing he reveals later of, I just want to make enough money to become invisible, to go to an island and vanish before the final, as he says, the final howl, which makes me feel like 
He actually knows he's going to hell. So he's like, I'm going to try to build up enough pleasant memories here. Before, you know what I mean? Because I think he knows he's forfeited heaven. So then, yeah, because like, he ate of the tree of knowledge, right? Because he's already knows he's, yeah. he's tasted it. He's like, yeah, I already ate the apple. I'm 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 done. Yeah. So and then yeah. you, you don't even at that point you really don't even have suicide as an option because that's just going to take you there faster, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like he really is. I mean, that's such a. It's weird. I looked up that actor, Sean Orem. What was his name? Steve Orem. Steve yeah. Orem. He's he's mostly a comedic actor, as far as I is know. He really? Yeah, on his IMDb, he does a lot of uh, comedy stuff. And my God, he's so, like, he was so good. Not that I would ever, you know, I like a perfectly contained movie, but he'd be an amazing series character, like show his early years and how he ended up there, all those other times. And, and clearly he's made some massive mistakes. And I think he's got some people's sanity or worse yet, lives on his hands. And mm-hmm. like- like has people's sacrifice other people's well-being to maybe save his skin in the heat of a moment. And he knows that. So how do we feel about this film as a vengeance film, which it ultimately is for most of the film uh, as is revealed? Yeah. Well, it shows you how it's weird how it, how such a bleak and then very scary and intense movie ends up and I, without spoiling a lot, Oh, you can. This is we are full spoilers. Oh, here on I'm telling people so, to watch the movie ahead of time. Yeah. Oh, oh good, hard. good, good. Okay. Well, um, when, like. it, as it turns out at the end, uh, the summoning is successful, but they do not summon what they think they're going to summon. And she walks into a room, and there's a goddamned twelve foot angel yeah. crouched down with a fucking sword and uh, gorgeous androgynous. It's an actress who plays the angel, by the way. But it's mm-hmm. like some yeah, like like athletic looking, like beautiful. Um, one and, of the best angels I've ever seen honestly uh, I, mean, I was like there you go alright incredible and when she's finally faced with it it's almost like in a weird way because of all the all of the all of the trauma she went through with the summoner he actually taught her ask for forg- ask to be able to forgive rather than ask for vengeance and when she asks mm-hmm. for that you see the angel smile and re- you realize it's, and, and I just love that the angels talking, but it's almost like angelic vocals can't be heard on our plane. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see. Although they replace very clever in that scene. There's like a teacup rattling and a, so it's like other sounds are taking the place of what an angel's voice would sound like. And then, I loved it. That was, it was not I was, what I expected from the ending at all. Like I, I really expected all. it to go real bad. And it, and it did. Obviously we have, you know, the summoner who ends up uh, dying from a, nasty stomach wound that he suffers for slowly a long time uh, and then his corpse is dragged away by these demons, demons. basically yeah. and the way that again i love the way that they did the demons which are just desiccated humans they were you know in other words they were angels that had rotted that's what demons are like like a million years ago they had angelic forms and they've been in the pit and that's what they look like now you know, and, well, and- speaking of Hellraiser, where we have demons to some angels to others, right? So, is this a case of like, do some people actually look at hell and see something different? They see something beautiful that they like. Yeah, or yeah, or is that? Um, remember the scene in Jacob's Ladder when um, um, uh, Danny Aiello says some people think that demons are actually angels, and when you go to hell, 
they stri- they torment you because they're stripping away all your sins so that you can then ascend. And that's mm-hmm. their job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a really interesting way to think of it. Maybe if she had entered this with another state of mind, they all would have been angels. Mm-hmm. But it was at the end, the, a- the angel sensed that she had evolved even in that moment somehow and was able to like, like you almost feel like a demon was about to appear and the angel pushed it out of the way and went, no, this one's mine. I got it. <laughs> like there's something really cool there, you know? It's the same, I guess, ending. We have question about Indiana Jones. Like now that she's seen this, what does she do? Even though she has got this great gift, but also she knows that this all exists now. How do you live your life in a normal yeah. fashion? That, that was interesting because first she gives the, the summoner a funeral, a Viking style funeral without the fire, mm-hmm. of course, but lets mm-hmm. him float away. And then she's she's driving away in that uh, in her car and that other car, like there's like that weird roar that goes by her. Like, is that her now entering back into the world somehow or now she, I, I, I don't know. To me, it just felt like she hadn't seen another person in so long. And that was just proof that she's now back in the real world. Cause here's this other person now just going about their business in a totally normal way, going home or whatever. And she's been under this incredible duress for however many months she's been there. Yeah. yeah and who knows how long she's actually been there. Cause they couldn't even tell at that certain point. They were like, it's March or May or who knows how That's long she's right. been here anymore. They- and again, I keep getting back to that line of like, I'm going to unfasten this house or un, what is it? Mm, un- untether. Untether mm-hmm. it. So for, for maybe time is not moving in any kind of normal pace. That's kind of even more terrifying in itself where you're now in this whole other like universe where you <sighs> don't even know it could be speeding up. It could be slowing down. And I'm sure in the middle of her ceremonies, it felt like that, right? I'm sure yeah. like, it would feel like it would just time would slow down to nothing. And we haven't mentioned also that uh, he does kill her in this film and bring her back. Oh yeah. The drowning or the baptism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is part of the, that's right. That's part of the, um, the purification yeah. times, like times two after he's filled like realized her lie and everything too. I think they wanted to get to the next level. Yeah. Oh, do you think Ooh. when he said it's worked twice and not once was the not once when he wasn't able to bring the person back that he drowned? Oh, that might be why he has something on his conscience. Yeah. Maybe. I you like know, this backstory. We just did a spinoff, right? We just right? did like sequels. I, I would love to see this guy. Again, he obviously came out of like, you know, council housing and, <laughs> yep. and just low rent. That kind of like those apartments at the beginning of the Come to Daddy video by um, Aphex Twin. You know, that whole horrible. <laughs> just, yeah. and and he, that was his own like, was couldn't do music wasn't a good writer but was like oh summoning demons that could get me out of this like so is that something like he had a natural like a talent for like he figured out he could do it or something he pursued i would imagine it'd be something like you can't help but you have to do it right, right? that's but, always like how mediums and stuff are yeah, yeah, I'm very curious about this. yeah but he also brings a very like almost on the spectrum approach to doing it where it's like it's not that he has so much um, extrasensory poetry in him. It's like, I'm willing to read and reread a, grim- a grimoire 20 fucking times until I get it down and I'll just do it. Like, so that's why he, he, he's such a, um, I think that's why he's so nasty about it because to him, it's not fun. Maybe to someone else who, di- like you said, did have a talent could go, Oh, this circles. It's like, it's this thing. Then we go, he, like he, he talks about it like a guy that's like, 
look, I'm not the nicest guy in the world. I don't, I'm, I'm not the, I, I, maybe I'm a little rough around the edges, but I'm the guy that can get your fucking flat screen TV installed. And there won't be any problems. So just shut the fuck up and let me do Like it's one of the, he's one of those kind of guys. I do one thing. I do it really well. And it's allowed me to be an asshole. Yeah. Cause it took all the, and like I beat all the humanity out of myself learning how to do it. Stuck in a room all by himself being sad. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, what did you think about this movie? Oh, my God. It was brutal and beautiful. And I just was, from the beginning, just with the psalm intro that it has. So I, I was like, oh, it's right. called A Dark Song. And it says, and it had a Psalm 91 up on there. I got it. I ground- yes, please read it. Please read uh, it. I knew you would. Of course. I always write down the quotes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy will- all, all thy ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's, it's uh, you know, psalm means song. So I was like, okay, so it's going to be biblical. I was like, this is the setup. But I was like, oh, but it's going to go dark. Okay, great. So now, like, within the title and everything from the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to be in for this crazy treat. I um, I thought, like I said, it's really beautiful and crazy and um, interesting just on just religion or not, like um, him talking about, like, Gnosticism versus Kabbalah. Yeah. I don't know. I was fascinated by all of that conversation of like well she's like oh, I've done all the things it's like I got my red string bracelet like I'm doing that like I felt like you know she's like that's why he I think also kind of like had that disdain for her too she's like I'm doing all my rich lady like taking the right classes but he's like no this is not this is beyond what you think it's gonna be like yeah. it's, I'm literally gonna push you further than you've ever gone before and I questioned him too I was like is this legit but I was like no you you can't be that guy without being legit I think at a certain point yeah um, I mean if it was a scam the scammer wouldn't make his own life that fucking unpleasant. Like no. the scammer would go like, I'm, I need to stay in a suite at the Dorchester. This is like, you go, Oh, but the fact that he's out at this shitty fucking house and he's no, also, heat. no heat and she's got to <laughs> cook him <laughs> shitty food. Like, well, no, I mean, he is doing this. I, I felt like he was doing it. And yeah. It, it, and also it's like what you're talking about, like K- K- Kabbalah and Gnosticism we can only ever know the tiniest slice of whatever the gigantic thing is. That's why I think the title, A Dark Song, you can sing a dark song, doesn't mean you're going to get a dark answer that the the universe or the heavens or the angels will work in whatever way they want. And you only know the tiniest bit. That's why, <clears throat> why does the angel show up? Because there's a bigger plan and you're not a part of it. There's a way right. bigger thing going on here, which in itself is even more terrifying. I, I was actually kind of uh, surprised that when I watched this movie, this was uh, I was like, this is not what I expected would expect you to recommend, I guess, because it's so and I say grim, but it, it is grim, but it's also so beautiful. Right. And also yeah. is very interesting. And, and I've never seen because when you have, you know, devil worshiping scenes in movies or, or summoning demons, it's like a montage. Right. Yeah. Like you never you never actually get to go through the whole fucking ceremony. And so yes. this is like, hey, what if you actually have to go through it? And you're like, oh, damn, man, this is intense. Yeah. Wait a minute. I don't know. This is like all fucking day. I wait, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I and I just love the idea that it's so grim and yet and then it's hopeful, like mm-hmm. which I, I guess when I saw it, um, I was in a very grim looking for hope place the first time I saw it. And then, um, especially, and then it came back around. Now we're in a very grim and we're starting to see maybe some hope, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the demonic forces, if anything, there's that deleted scene from the exorcist when they're, when the two priests are sitting on the stairs and <clears throat> Damien asks, um, uh, Marin, like why, why this girl? She said, 
11 year old girl. What does he get out of doing this? There's no power here. And he's like, it's just to make us despair. There's mm-hmm. nothing. It's like the cruelty is the point. It, it wants to see other people confused and despairing. And it makes, it wants people of faith or at least people that believe in order and goodness to go, maybe I shouldn't believe. Like it wants that doubt. That's what it wants. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. 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 So we, um, we have uh, something that we always like to ask everybody that we Ooh. interview. Okay. So uh, we have, of course, horror movie survival guide tips is our deal. We like to tell people how you survive a horror movie. Oh. So can you give us an example of something, a good way to survive? What are some good horror movie survival tips? Um, like this particular type of movie or any kind no, of no, horror any, movie? Anything. Any, any kind of horror movie. This one's a rough one. This one's just like don't start. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, like, like you can, don't go in the circle. It, it, it's war games. The only way to win is not to play. It really is. It's, it's, yeah. it's demonic war games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems to me that the way to survive most horror movies, um, and, well, there's two things. One, um, one way to survive horror movies is to have a good knowledge of horror, is to be someone who reads a lot of horror novels, who watches a lot of horror movies, so can go, oh, wait a minute, this this ominous sign and this ominous sign and this ominous sign equal, okay, this is maybe coming, so let's maybe do that. Um, another Although, way- It doesn't always work though, because we have someone like Randy from Scream or someone like Radish from Final Exam. Yeah. Yes. Like, they got the knowledge and it should work. Right. Sometimes it backfires. Um, well, the other thing, too, then I think is to get close to the person who vocally has the knowledge. Ah. Because it's the best swimmers who drown. Let them go a little too far and get a little too overconfident. They get killed and then you get away scot-free. Yes. That's yes. how you do it. And also, I mean, again, I, this is so hackneyed, but it's so fucking real. Um, it's fucking cardio, man. Whoever can run the fastest and longest. Look at every goddamn movie. Who could run and jump and run the fastest and longest? That's who. That's who survives. I know it's it's oh, when less it's upsetting. Like, if they're walkers, though, right? Then you can kind of like out shamble them if they're. If you yeah, got like a true. zombie Romero kind of situation, but well, that's just like a test of like there's just going to be too many. You're just going to be outnumbered. Yeah, I do love how in the 1990 remake the lead actress goes, "We could just run around them. They're just walking." Like she openly says the one thing, and you know Romero's like. That's all I've heard for 30 fucking years. I've got to address it. So God bless him. I love that. But like you said, then when she does go out there, it's the constant horror. It's the, it's the dead mom holding the dead baby. It's the gut, like it's the, it's the psychological shock that, that takes you out. And I think that's, I mean, really what horror is really all about, right? It's just there, there's mm-hmm. different horror movies that, have different psychological effects on different people. Some people don't like zombie movies or vampire movies because there's something personal that freaks them out about it. I think that's yeah. cool. That there's so many different ways to be scared in this genre. Yeah. Well, there's like, there's body horror and then there's like psychological collapse um, or societal collapse. Yes. Um, uh, mass panic to me, that's the scariest thing there there is because it's real and because people will turn into animals in like, a second for toilet paper real fast yeah it's crazy yeah we are uh we are kind of animalistic aren't we <laughs> i want to read you something okay. ann radcliffe who is a uh, gothic writer 
died in 1823. This was her, I wrote this down in a notebook, so I should have brought the notebook with me. She was, someone asked her, what's the difference between horror and terror? Oh, okay. And Anne Radcliffe said, horror is being more related to being shocked or scared, being horrified at an awful realization or a deeply unpleasant occurrence. While okay. terror is more related to being anxious or fearful. In other words, terror is about anticipating the thing that might happen and horror is being confronted with it and there's no denying it. And then how will you react? Will you freeze up? Will you, re will you be in revulsion? Like, you know, it's that kind of, so terror is like, oh my God, what if there's a weird like lump under my skin? And horror is the lumps there and then it opens and it's an eyeball and it blinks. You're like, yeah, like, so the, that's the difference basically. Ah, that's good. And I, something that I'm sure you're feeling right now, since you are also a gigantic fan of watching movies in the cinema, Ooh. is the lack of the feeling of watching horror with other people, which is the best thing ever. It's, how is it? Uh, how is it? It's terrible. I, I, I can't, you know, I, I know that there's some kind of like Amazon watch thing with your friends, but I, yeah, but I don't, we, but, yeah, we but, Netflix we, party too. Party. Yeah. But, but, and I'm not putting my friends down, but I know my friends, like part of the fun of being in a horror movie is you don't know how these strangers are going to, like some people are, I remember watching, I went and saw The Descent in Chicago oh, yeah. and people were, that, that, the cave-in scene, mm -hmm. there were mm -hmm. people around us, I was crawling out of my skin during that sequence, it was so well done, <laughs> but some people were like, uh, uh, no, 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 like some people were laughing. And I don't think they were laughing because, oh, this is so dumb. They were so freaked out that, like, they didn't know what else. I've seen that in people now where they get so um, tense or freaked out, they start laughing. I've, yeah. I've, I've had that happen in arguments when I'm like, like, why the fuck? And the other person start laughing. The fuck? And then they'll start crying going, this is, I don't know what to do. Like, it, it, that's a real feel response. They'll start laughing. Uh, the first time I gave blood, I was terrified. Uh, but I was forced, I forced myself to do it and I laughed. I laughed the whole time and they thought wow. I was fucking weird. I couldn't stop. I was so ah. nervous. And it was this horrible laughter. Like it, we were like a gymnasium. So it's like echoing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, you know, again, the, um, uh, in, in the Boris Karloff movie, The Mummy, when that guy first sees The Mummy, he almost laughs himself to death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Oh, yeah. She's just laughing. She's laughing. like, there's too much left. She's just laughing. Yeah. What else can and, you uh, do? Yeah. Those are my kind of my favorite final girls are the ones that are just like twanged at the end where you're like, she never goes back to normal life. No, like, there's no going back. And I, that was one of the things I loved about the Final Destination movies is in the sequel, Ali Larder has, has gone fucking crazy. She yeah. does what you would do if you'd survived that first movie. I'm going to be in this cell. I'm going to be safe and fuck this. Like, I'm not doing any of this shit what are some can you think of some of your favorite final girls in horror well i mean you know the, the my favorite uh is um jamie lee curtis in halloween because she's resourceful and <clears throat> she's not like it's not that bullshit um I, I call it um boardroom feminism where it's clearly a bunch of guys going ah these chicks let's make her totally strong and nothing affects her like she does get scared. She does get freaked out. And then she powers through the fear. Like she's a real, actual, strong person. Like it, it, it's real. It feels really real. So she's, I mean, she's like my <clears throat> ultimate final that, girl. Is that 
just in the in the first film or like her arc throughout the series? Uh, in the first film and then in the most latest one with um, David Gordon Green. I thought in Halloween 2, mm-hmm. it's like they erased everything she did in the first movie and she's just screaming and running around. Like there's yeah, no but- real... And then Loomis has to come and save her again. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Like, they, you just I, reset her for no reason. Yeah, but uh, fan theory, right, is that uh, her, my fan theory, I love Jimmy, <laughs> the, the orderly that she's in love with. So my fan theory is like he's, he's the father of her, of, her ch- of her child. That's my theory because I love him. And there's like, the, I think in the TV cut, because like in the, in the film cut, like he, just, he just falls asleep, he's like falling asleep in a car and you never see him again. But in like the TV cut, like you see him in the ambulance with her at the end. Like oh, like no kidding. Together. So oh, like, yes, they... yes. Oh, that's so, cool. Oh, so I like that's that. why I like Halloween too. Yeah, I like it too. Like goofy little Laurie deserves some too, not just PJ Souls. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, I like, um, I forget the actress's name, but there's a movie called Eyes Without a Face. Where oh yeah, yes. we just did an episode on that. So fucking good. We love it. And what I love is that the final girl is the girl who has been made to be the monster and realizes, oh no, this guy's the monster. I'm gonna do him in, and then let all these when she's letting all the animals free. Like mm-hmm. I'm, we're all gonna be free now. There's something so beautiful about that. Yes, we amazing. so shocked at the gore in that movie. I have never seen it from 1960. Never seen the fucking. You yeah. can't peel that face. I mean, <laughs> away, and then they don't cut away. No, and then it just keeps going and, and going and, and going. Then, th- yeah, not only is that scene terrifying, but then when they show the, the series of photographs of the skin not taking, and it yes. looks very again very Cronenberg medical <laughs> background, like we're watching this process, and it's really disturbing. Yeah, and it uh, influenced a Billy Idol song, so that's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, that, and then, I, again, I, I know it's so, but like Marilyn Burns in Texas Chainsaw, because she sacrifices her sanity, but you feel like, I get the fuck away. She eventually tells the police what happens. They go out to the thing. The thing I want to find out is someone needs to make a short film about that truck driver that throws the oh, fucking yes. wrench at Leatherface where he goes, he, he must have, because <laughs> he just keeps running. So he must have made it back to the dispatch and they're like, you got a whole uh, 18 wheeler up there full of chickens. You got to go pick it up. He goes, listen, motherfucker, this woman, some fucking white woman came out covered in blood. And then some dude, he was, it was a, it was a lady face in a suit with a fucking chainsaw. And he was chasing around. Now I tried to help her out. She's like going crazy. And I threw a wrench at him, and then I threw the wrench at him. He fell, fucking chainsaw went. It's like, and then when he got back up, I'm like, yeah, fuck that, and I'm gone. I'll go back and get the truck, but the police are gonna come with me. Like, and they're like, why? He goes, dude, there was a guy out there wearing a lady face with a chainsaw, and he's still out there. And the last I saw, he was fucking dancing in the sunlight. So fuck that. <clears throat> like, there should be a whole short film of that guy. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, oh, no. nope. <clears throat> I love that truck driver so much. He brings me so much joy. Yeah. And I loved, upon watching the last Texas Chainsaw, last time on the big screen, that Leatherface wears a tie. Do you know that? Well, tie. He's, he's so he's So, so proper. So proper. And then they, they leave out the scene. What people lose is that he wears a man mask during the day, and then at night he puts the mom mask on. So that final mask, it's a Maya for dinner. And But there's a scene Dressed they cut out where she's powdering, looking at herself looking at himself in the mirror and powdering the mask oh. and getting ready for dinner. So there's a scene that they did cut out. 
Uh, I saw it the last time in the, in the, on the big screen at uh, the Man Plant in Van Nuys. Oh. And, <laughs> you know that place? I love that place. And um, it was pretty full and it was a lot of young teenagers. And at the beginning, they were all kind of laughing because like she's wearing bell bottoms oh, and it's yeah. kind of like groovy. And then by, like halfway through, there's like nobody's laughing. It's no. just silence. And like the credits started to roll. Nobody got up. Everyone was just sitting there going, Jesus Christ. I saw the last time I saw that on the big screen was at midnight at the new art. And it was all these oh. intense. It was that during that new wave of horror films. So they're all like, yeah, this thing from the fucking 70s. No, I went and saw uh, Last House on the Left and Halloween. They were okay. And um, same thing, just dead silence. Like, what the fuck did I just see? Holy and, shit. And just amazing what you said earlier. By today's standards, just in content-wise, that would be a PG film. There's no – you just see no blood. Nothing goes in. However, I think intensity-wise, it would still get an R because it's mm-hmm. so um, uh, nerve-wracking. Halloween, the original Halloween, except for the one shot of the boobs, that would easily be a PG-13 film. Easily. Because yeah. that's it's also – there's almost no so. blood. It's all how, shadows. That's all it is. Yeah, how things have changed and now it just depends on – I mean, because it was the first uh, PG-13 movie, because it was Gremlins, right, that made them change yeah. it over. And then yeah. Red Dawn was like the first one that it was like PG-13. Yeah. Um, uh, Gremlins was the first. I saw Gremlins when I was five. Um, oh. And it, yeah. Yeah, it really, really fucked me up bad. Um, and also taught me there was no Santa Claus. Thanks, Joe Dante. <laughs> well, did you at least go and see the sequel, though? Because Gremlins 2 was oh, yeah. one of the greatest films ever made. And that it was the precursor to, well, maybe, well, no, I think it was after, but... Same thing as Evil Dead 2. Let's make a sequel and make fun of the first film. Yeah. And Joe, I mean, I can't, it was just like a big fuck you to everybody while making something so amazing as well. It's just you, Joe Dante is just like, you want me to make a sequel? I don't want to make a sequel. You want a fucking sequel? Here's your fucking sequel. And yeah. like, there you go. And then they go, uh, what do we do with this? Yeah. It's insane. And I'm going to have Phoebe Cates make fun of the big yes. Santa Claus scene. And the guy goes, okay. Enough. And then the way they do it is like, she has one of these stories for every fucking holiday. She has a relative fucking dies. Just, okay, fine. Thank you. Just be quiet. <laughs> and and oh, just any movie with Paul Bartel as the theater manager going, yes. we don't make the movies. We just show them like, oh, I love it so much. I love that he unkills uh, Dick Miller as well. Of course he does. Because why like, not? He's got to bring him back. He's Dick Miller. Yeah. That that relationship between that those two make me so incredibly makes happy. Me so happy. I love them so much. And yeah. the whole Roger Corman like crew that started out making these like B horror films and, um, and you know exploitation films. Every every uh director we love now, we can thank Roger Corman. Every star yep. and every director, they all came out of Corman. De Niro, Nicholson, Coppola, mm-hmm. Scorsese. R- Ron Howard famously said Howard, yeah. when he did Grand Theft Auto and um he was having all this trouble. And then um, Roger just said, listen, Ron, the reason you're making this film for me is so when you're done, you never have to work for me again. That's why you're doing it. Because your calling card will be, oh, you made a movie for Roger. Oh, then this guy can do anything. Yeah, hire him. Like he's already been through hell. He's fine. That's how all yeah. these guys got work forever. Because they're like, oh, especially Coppola and Scorsese. You, you did how many films with him? Holy fuck. Yeah, you're hired. So, where's yeah. our Roger Corman for today? I mean, Roger Corman is still Roger Corman. Yeah, I know. Yeah, where is he? Well, I mean, in, in a weird way, Roger Corman is is becoming self-contained, I think, with people like the Adams Family and, you know, mm-hmm. that are doing these very stripped down, like, here's what I want to do, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. 
that that's what I think is, is happening right now. So they're just people are just becoming their own Roger Corman's. And mm-hmm. also, no one really needs to go work for the studios. If you make something good enough, it will get out there now. And you can yeah, end yeah. up making money. I mean, people, especially now with like, it, it's why certain podcasters are getting, you know, would get offers to go on a, a major satellite network or even a TV network. And they're like, I'm making all this money. No, I don't need to. I, I don't, I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm good. I don't need to do this. We'll you know? take the network gig though. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> For the shout out, Pat. We, it's been such a pleasure to have you here oh, with us today. I don't know why you guys, I hope that Arrow or Shutter or one of these channels gives you guys a show, lets you curate like a whole section of that. Because my God, it would be so, especially, I love the horror master and her Padawan. Like you're, you're tight taking your bullets and you're like, oh my God, we got to pause this. I can't watch this. Wait a minute. What are you doing? So yeah, I love it. I do have a fascination with corrupting people with film. <laughs> I I get corrupted, so it's a good, it's a good match. It's a good, good match. Thank you again, Pat, and you're freaking wonderful to chat with, and it's been such a joy um, to hear so many things. I have to talk to you after this about Christmas shoes, though, Um, and um, and (laughs) because I'm also obsessed with Christmas. Um, But you guys, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Any 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 other last words, Pat, and you want to share with us or anything Um, else you wanted to say? Go see a dark song and definitely, definitely uh, watch a movie that they announce and then watch, listen, because I've watched, I've rewatched so many movies that I already loved and they made my mind up about. And then listening to these two talk about it, you, you're given these whole new angles that the Martin episode alone. Martin! So, oh, made me so he happy. It was too giggly. It was so funny. But it thank was, you so it was much. Like, it was like listening to two, and I'm not, please don't take this as an insult. It was like listening to two seventh grade girls talk about their crush. Like yeah. it, it, that, that's what it sounded like. It was amazing. But our crush is fucking Martin. Who's I know what it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it leveled us to. Oh yes. my god! And then when so we got sweet. to interview John Amplis after that because of oh. it. What a dear heart. And he's yeah. like, like, we're still like Facebook friends with him. And I just, I just get excited to see whatever he's up to. And I, I he's such a dear heart. So thank you. Awesome. Uh, you are an amazing person. You are so awesome. We are so glad to talk to you today. Uh, please watch a dark song and you can find Patton Oswalt on all the things, all the social media, <laughs> all the internet, and all the things, all the TV yeah. shows, all the podcasts, all the radio shows, all yeah. that. And you can find us on all the things too. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow us on our Patreon as well for more exclusive content. Thank you so much and have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you.